Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. But this weekend is Labor Day weekend. How many of y'all have off tomorrow? All right. So we started thinking about what would be the perfect day off. I asked my kids this question at dinner the other day. So I have two girls. Charlie is nine. Evelyn is six. And they had some simple requests. So their perfect day off is a day at Walt Disney World, followed by the trampoline park, followed by a trip to the mall, quick spin through Target, and then we're going to have all of their friends over for a sleepover. So we're still working on what can be done in 24 hours with them. My day is a little more laid back. I just want to be at the beach with a book and maybe some lime Tostitos, right? The best snack. Um, Trevor also did some research on social media to ask some of you guys what your ideal day off was. And I was reading through the responses to see what we were at. And some of you guys are like really high maintenance with your requests for a day off. Okay, we had people talking about a specific temperature, specific weather conditions, the exact outfit they needed to be wearing, and which location of a restaurant franchise they would go to for dinner. So we had that crew, and then we had those of you who said, it doesn't matter what it is as long as my calendar's empty. They said, no appointments, no work meetings, no chores, nothing to go do. And then we also had people who are ready to go, and they are going to be out on the boat, or surfing, or paddleboarding, or fishing, or kayaking, or I think someone was uh, horseback riding in Hawaii, which is like, all right, that's quite the day off. Some of you will be very busy tomorrow. Um, But today we are thinking about this because it is Labor Day, and I did a little historical background for you to find that the first Labor Day was on September 5th, 1883, and then President Grover Cleveland signed it into law in 1894. So this official day off started in the 1800s. But today we want to talk about the idea that the original source of the day off is actually from the Bible. And so whether you are a normal churchgoer or you're here today for the first time in years, I think we can all get behind the idea of a day off. So we're going to visit God's idea for that original day off. Um, First, if you want to grab your notes, your Bible, your app, however you do this part of the sermon, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. These are Jesus's words, and he says this, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So let's pray together. Um, Father God, we come before you this morning knowing that you are already here and that you have welcomed us into your presence. Um, I want to share a prayer this morning that I use in my daily quiet times with you, Lord, where we say together that we open our hearts anew to you this morning. Lord, that the love of the Father, the life of Christ, the breath of the Spirit would quicken within each of us a greater affection for your ways. We want to know more about your ways, God. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 
Okay, so we're going to come back to our Matthew verses, but first I want to do a little background on the OG day off. Okay, so we're going to go back to the beginning, like literally in the beginning, Genesis 2. In Genesis 2, we see God who has just finished his work, and it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, so most of us are familiar with this. God creates the heavens and the earth, the sun and the moon, the plants, the animals. He creates mankind on the sixth day and then on the seventh day he rests. So we're going to fast forward through this. We have Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. They get kicked out and several generations pass and then we meet Abraham. Abraham has been chosen by God to be the father of his chosen people, through which he will reveal his grand rescue plan for the world. So Abraham has many descendants, and then they, like Adam and Eve, mess it up, and then the chosen people end up enslaved in Egypt. So now God's chosen people are in Egypt. They're making bricks. They're working for cruel masters. They are in terrible conditions, and God sends Moses Moses talks to Pharaoh, they escape through the Red Sea, and now God's chosen people are in the wilderness. At this point, God comes to his people and he makes a new covenant. So he gives them a way that says, we are going to live together in this manner, and he gives them 10 rules, which we know as the 10 commandments. So let's look at the fourth commandment that God gave them from Exodus 20. It says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." So now we see that God's taken that rhythm that he first instituted during creation and he's made it a law. Think of what a gift this was to his people. They had just exited generations of slavery where they would have never gotten a day off. And now God has both rescued them from these masters and said, now you have to take one day off every week. It was such a gift to them. But of course, As people do, they messed it up. They started being super legalistic about it. And by the time we see Jesus come on the scene, the religious experts of the day, such as the Pharisees, were so nitpicky about the Sabbath and used it as a way to kind of make life difficult for people. They even had rules down to how far you were allowed to walk on a certain day. And so Jesus interacted with the Pharisees often about this and about kind of reclaiming the Sabbath for what it was meant to be. And one of these times we see in Mark 2 that he's talking to the Pharisees and he's telling them because his disciples had picked grain in the fields, he tells them what they should know about the Sabbath. And he says that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Here we go. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So even though our verses in Matthew don't speak specifically of Sabbath, they really capture kind of the essence of God's desire and design of rest for mankind. So we're going to look back at those verses, and I want us all to read them out loud together this time. Matthew 11, 
verses 28 through 30. So let's read it all together. Ready? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So really what Jesus is offering us here is a lifestyle, a way of living. You'll notice that he used the word yoke a couple times in this scripture. And that's not really something that we, that word is not something we typically use in everyday language right now. Um, but he was referring to a piece of farming equipment. So a yoke would have been something that the ancient um, Israelites were very familiar with. It was really a wooden piece of farming equipment that went across two animals to help them carry really heavy burdens. It could also have been something that a human would wear across their shoulders to help them carry something heavy. So Jesus isn't a farmer and he's not telling us to literally have a yoke, but he's offering a way to carry things that are heavy. Jesus knew life would be heavy. He knew we'd be dealing with things like marriage and divorce and sex and money and conflict and relationships and all of these things that can weigh us down. But he offers a way, a yoke of carrying heavy things that will not feel burdensome. So really, it's his lifestyle. We all have a certain lifestyle, Right, Our lifestyle is our habits, our preferences, the things we do, our activities, the things we like. Like right now, I feel like the camping lifestyle is like super popular. I know so many friends who have campers and tents and they're off on all these adventures. We also know things like the CrossFit lifestyle or salt life or health food lifestyle, right? There's all these different lifestyles in our culture, but Jesus offers us so much more. If we look back at verse 29, we can see what Jesus wants to offer us in his lifestyle. In verse 29, we see that he says, to take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus offers us a lifestyle that leads to rest. Isn't that good news? (laughs) Man, I love that. It makes me just want to take a deep breath and just soak that in. That Jesus wants us to lead a life that leads to rest. Now, I don't know about you, but my lifestyle, like naturally unchecked, does not lead to rest. I'm generally a pretty busy person. I like to get things done. I like to have a plan. I like to accomplish things. Um, remember back at the beginning of COVID, like the very beginning, March 2020, the first day that we were actually like doing things about it. I remember it was a Thursday. I was picking up my daughter, Charlie, from school. She was in first grade. And the school board called and told us no school the next day on Friday. And then we already had a week of spring break that was already on the calendar. And they said, we're going to extend that break by one more week so that we can all stay home for two weeks, flatten the curve, and then we'll be back to normal. Seven, remember that plan, how well it went? Yeah. (laughs) But so there I was, I'm facing two weeks at home with my girls. I'm like, okay, what are we going to do during these two weeks? And so I went to Barnes & Noble. I went to the academic workbook section, bought them two BrainQuest workbooks, one for preschool age, one for first grade, and I brought them home because we were going to work while we were home. I know, I'm the fun mom, right? (laughs) I wish I could tell you that I've learned and it's gotten better, but unfortunately, 
At the beginning of this summer, I decided that we were going to have a lot of fun this summer. You know, we needed to just make great memories and so enter my summer fun folder. <laughs> this is a real thing. It's not a prop for this message. <laughs> this was my summer fun folder that I made so that we could have all the fun. It has a calendar of what we would be doing. It's got a checklist on the inside, a little exercise program, a devotional on how to love your siblings like God does because, you know, kids... And this is just <laughs> This is just who I am, people. So my life does not often lead to rest. These are funny examples, but also this is what's valued in our culture right now. Right? We see busyness as a status symbol. Remember in the old days when the people who were rich and powerful like they lived a life of leisure? Like Downton Abbey, they like lay on their settees, they stroll the estate, they play cards, have tea. Now the people that we admire the most, the people who are the most powerful, the most influential, they're also the busiest. When you ask someone how they're doing, what do they often say? Oh good, just really busy. It's a value that's become ingrained in our culture that we need to be busy, right? No days off. Hustle. Celsius energy drinks. <laughs> right? This is something that's just accept. Don't clap for that. <laughs> <laughs> This is just what our culture has become about, but it's not who God is. God is the God of rest and of restoration. We see this all throughout scripture. Um Exodus 33 is one example. The Lord replied, "My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest." Jeremiah 6. This is what the Lord says. "Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls." This need for rest, the rhythm of rest is ingrained in the very fabric of creation. Think about animals who need to hibernate. If they don't hibernate, they die. Think about our lack of sleep and our go 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 pace and then also how the life expectancy in America has dropped for the first time. Think about our mental struggles that we're having, our sleep disorders, our anxiety problems. I don't think it's a coincidence that that goes against the fabric of who we are and how God created us to be. So, we need rest. Jesus offers rest. But how? How do we access that? Well, today I want to talk about that Jesus offers a lifestyle that leads to rest through the practice of Sabbath. So, Sabbath is really a 24-hour period of rest. It's traditionally for Christians been on a Sunday, but it can be on any day that works in your schedule. And there's been kind of a lot of confusion around what it is, what it isn't. So we're going to clarify a few things this morning. First of all, what is Sabbath not? Sabbath is not just a list of things to do or not to do. Probably not shockingly to you. This is something I've struggled with when I've tried to implement Sabbath in my life. Am I allowed to take my kids to a soccer game? What about a birthday party? Can I clean up a spill? Can we cook dinner? The kids still want to eat. How do I rest? Just you can get caught up in what you're allowed to do and not, and that's not what Sabbath is about. It's not legalistic. That's actually the very thing that Jesus spoke out against. 
Okay, but it's also not just any old day off, right? When we have days off, we want to just relax and veg, just get some relief from our busy schedules. But Sabbath is really about restoration. So John Eldridge, who writes extensively kind of about the condition of the human soul, he really distinguishes between relief and restoration. He says this, relief is momentary. It's checking out, numbing, sedating yourself. Television is relief. Eating a bag of cookies is relief. Tequila is relief. And let's be honest, relief is what we reach for because it's immediate and usually within our grasp. Most of us turn there when what we really need is restoration. So Sabbath isn't just laying on your couch all day and binge watching the latest Netflix series. I know some of you were with me until that moment, but it's okay. Hang in there. Sabbath is so much more. So Sabbath is really, it's a gift to us. Has anyone ever been on the Magic Kingdom, the Tomorrowland Speedway? All right, all the little cars, the tracks. Okay, so this is one of my kids' favorite rides because you can drive the cars even when you're still little, right? As long as you have an adult. And so one of these times that we went, I took my oldest daughter, Charlie, on it. She was still little, and she was so excited because one, she gets to drive, and two, she was gonna win. She was so excited. And so we get in the car, you know, the gas fumes are everywhere, and she's in the car. She's got her hands on the steering wheel. She's ready, yes. She's already looking at the competition, and she pushed the pedal down to the metal as soon as that checkered flag waved, and off we went. (laughs) She looked at me, incredulous, and she pushed her foot further down, leaned forward. (laughs) She was so mad that she could not go as fast as she wanted, because she didn't understand that there is a governor on those cars. There's something that cuts their speed off so that they can't go so fast and cause harm to the people driving or the people around them, right? A Sabbath works in the same way for us. God knew that we would have the tendency to go so so fast that we need something forced on us each week to cut our speed off and act as a governor on the speed of life. Um, The thing about Sabbath is that it's not just about that day. Eventually, when you practice Sabbath, it will change the rest of your life. Walter Brueggemann, who is a theologian, said this about Sabbath. People who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. And I don't know about you, but I want to look different than our culture. So the other thing that Sabbath gives us is a weekly opportunity to realize who we are where our value lies. It is easy for me to get caught up in the lie that I am valuable or I'm important because of what I do or what I produce. But the truth is, I am valuable because I am a child of God. And you are valuable because you are a child of God and not because of anything you do. And Sabbath is that weekly opportunity to realize that that you're still loved even on this day, that you're not producing anything. It's almost like you can think of it as tithing your time, right? So we give God this day, these hours, and we say, they don't belong to me, they belong to you. Do with it what you will. Same way that we tithe our money. And when we do that, 
Sabbath turns into a really important tool of spiritual warfare. So do you know what the enemy wants from you more than anything? He wants your attention. Not just his, your attention on him. He just wants to make sure that your attention is focused anywhere else except for on God and on God's story unfolding in the world. So he wants you to be paying attention to social media, to news, to what's going on in the trends over here, to the conflict with your friend, to what's happening at work, anything else except for God. And we know our culture is on that, right? Our attention is being tried, is grabbed everywhere we look. And so Sabbath is our chance to weekly say, my attention is going to be focused on God and on the good gifts that he has given me. So how does Sabbath work? Well, what do I do to rest? Can we just acknowledge what an American question that is too? What do I do to rest? (laughs) But this is Sabbath 101, rest for dummies. So let's talk some practicalities here. One of the best ways for you to get that 24-hour period of Sabbath rest is to change the way you think about your days. So the Hebrew people thought about their days going from sundown to sundown. So basically, they would see their day as starting the evening before. So in my family, we Sabbath on Saturday because I work on Sundays. And so starting on Friday evening, we begin our time to rest on the weeks that we are doing well. I will admit we are not perfect. (laughs) But we like to start, we usually order pizza. We have a family movie night or a game night. We have some fun dessert. And then that kicks off our 24-hour period, which continues through the day of Saturday until Saturday evening. And then that still gives us time on Saturday to logistically get ready for the next day. So that's an easy way for you to think about how to structure your days so you can really get that 24-hour period of rest. Another thing we need to think about is really being intentional the day before. So when you are getting ready to go on vacation or when you're preparing for a holiday like Christmas, usually we are willing to do extra work in the days before so that we can fully enjoy our time on that holiday. You know, like we might do extra loads of laundry. We might clean the house extra. Whatever it is, we're preparing to enjoy the next day. And the same way with Sabbath, there may be some rhythms that you need to add into your week before your Sabbath so that you can fully enjoy the time that you've set aside on that day. You know, maybe there are extra work calls that you need to make the day before so that they're off your mind the next day. Maybe you need to throw in a load of laundry so that you don't have to do it that day. Maybe you don't want to cook, so you're going to order extra food the day before. Whatever it is, think about the practical ways that you can prepare so that you can actually enjoy your Sabbath. Because this doesn't come naturally to us, right? And Jesus doesn't always ask us to do things that are convenient and easy. And so we have to figure out how it's going to work within our own lives. And then finally, remembering that Sabbath isn't just about not doing, right? So base level, entry level Sabbath is what do you do for work? Don't do that, right? That's pretty easy. One author I read talked about thinking if you work with your mind, then maybe you want to Sabbath with your hands. And if you work with your hands, then you might choose to Sabbath with your mind. Another great way to think about it is investing in your soul, a relationship, and a hobby. So again, it's about doing these extra things that bring back to us 
that piece of Eden that's deep within all of us, right? It's about adding in music and laughter and time in God's creation and fun and people we love. It's not just about not doing. These categories help us to kind of hit each of those things so that our day actually restores us. Invest in your soul. So if your Sabbath is on a Sunday, come to church and look at you. You already did it. Good job. (laughs) If it's not on a Sunday, maybe on that day you choose to spend some time in your Bible or listening to worship music, whatever it is, that you would deliberately give your attention to the Lord. Invest in a relationship. Make a phone call. Knock on your neighbor's door. Sit down on the floor and play Legos or Barbies with your kids. Whatever it is that will invest in a relationship because that's also where we see God. And finally, a hobby. What are some of those things that you never have time to do during the week? This is the day for you to do those things. Maybe it's gardening. Maybe it's painting or reading. Whatever it is that sounds restful to you. Gardening, not so much for me. But for some of you, I'm sure it is. So here's how I want to um, challenge you guys this week. You know, it's funny because when I first learned that this was the topic I was going to be preaching on, I was like, I am the worst person to be talking about this. (laughs) This is such a struggle for me, but it's so important. And I have to admit that even in that teaching team meeting when I was there, I was like, we don't need to talk about the 24-hour Sabbath We can talk about rhythms of rest. I was like, let's just talk about, you know, an hour a day. That's more doable. And I tried, I tried to make it easy on y'all, tried to make it easy on myself. But then as I studied more and prayed, I realized that God actually, this Sabbath is actually really, really important. You know, it's one of the Ten Commandments, and I don't know why that was such a light bulb moment for me. Like, it's not a suggestion. It's literally a command. If I broke any of the other Ten Commandments, like, you know, uh, adultery or murder, this would be a very different conversation. (laughs) But breaking the command of Sabbath is... I just, I realized God and I had a lot of talks this week, and I realized I was being flippant with the way I was treating Sabbath doing it when it was convenient for me, when it fit in my schedule. And God wants more for me from that. Now, I know that there are some of you here, some of you watching online who are in a season of life where you can't just take a 24-hour period off. And so I don't want you to hear this as guilt-inducing or as condemnation because that is not Jesus' intention in the Sabbath. I think that in those seasons of life when you literally cannot do the Sabbath, that there's a way of working even that enables you to put your attention on God. Um, I thought of this quote from Brother Lawrence, who was a a monk from the 1600s, and he talks about a way to work. He says to work faithfully without turmoil or anxiety, gently and peacefully bringing our minds back to God as often as we find ourselves distracted. So maybe for some of you who aren't able to take this literal Sabbath, you're doing your work, but you're trying as often as you can to bring your mind back to God. God will honor what you're able to give. Maybe it's an hour on one day right now. Maybe it's a day every couple weeks. 
God will honor what you give, but I also want to challenge you that maybe like me, you need to take this 24-hour Sabbath and make it a part of your life. Um, There's a quote by John Mark Comer who he writes about practicing the way of Jesus and Sabbath is a way of Jesus. And he says that Sabbath is coming for you whether as delight or discipline. It's a little scary, right? (laughs) It's coming for you. But I think that's so true. We all can probably think of someone in our minds, maybe it's ourselves, who run and run and run and then eventually collapse. So rest is such a part of our DNA that it will happen to us whether we choose it or it chooses us. How much better would it be to choose to put these rhythms of rest into our own lives? What I really want you to hear today is that Jesus offers an invitation to all of us. Whether this is your first time in church in 15 years or you've never been here before or you've been following Jesus your whole life, Jesus offers an invitation to all of us. He says, come to me all, all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. He wants us to take his yoke. He promises it is easy and his burden is light. I want to share with you as a benediction today this Sabbath prayer from Pete Gregg. He says, May this day bring Sabbath rest to your heart and to your home. May God's image in you be restored and your imagination in God be restoried. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May you know grace to embrace your own finite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed you and his spirit lead you into the week and life to come. Go in his peace. Enjoy our game day activities on the way out and we'll see you all next week.